Here's Middleton. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh! Run. Two on one. Green the finish. Wow, the alley Turned the corner. Inside! He made Yusuf Nurkic a screensaver. Here comes Murray. Alley up to Gordon. Oh, what a play! All right, joined now by Dan Greenberg of Barstool Sports. He's joining us for the Boston Celtics for here for the alley-oop. Dan, uh, we're doing trade deadline stuff. The trade deadline just passed this afternoon, and boy, howdy, was it a fun one, uh, even for the Boston Celtics, who didn't have a ton of flexibility, obviously, but they they make it work and add some a couple young guys and should be interesting to see. Uh, just was, Did this meet your expectations as a Boston Celtics fan? Um, I think mostly, um, I think most Celtics fans, you know, there were two real positions. I think we all wanted Brad to explore and that was big man depth and wing depth. And with Xavier Tillman, you know, it's a guy that is an elite defender based on metrics and everything you hear from the Grizzly side. Didn't cost anything really to get him. I mean, Lamar Stevens is a end of bench guy who wasn't even really playing. Right. I don't think any Celtic fan cares about second-round picks right now, given that they're in a, a title window. So sure. that, I think, checked an important box. Um, the Jaden Springer is – I mean, this is your your 15th guy on the bench, right? They trade, they swapped him for Danilo Banton, who wasn't ever going to play any sort of meaningful minutes. The same is probably going to be true for Springer. So I wouldn't say it exceeded expectations because they haven't as of – this recording addressed their reserve wing depth, but there's the buyout market for that, and they didn't stand still. Brad has made a, a trade every trade deadline and every offseason since he's taken over this job, so he's not afraid. If he sees an area where he needs to improve his team, he's going out and he's doing it. Um, but we have to see it on the floor, right? I mean, it's all great in theory, but they don't really – they're not in a, a situation where – they can give a half a season for Xavier Tillman to get up to speed. You know, if, yeah, if that's you true. get hurt or if, if you need him right away, like when you join this team, you need to be able to pick things up quickly and you need to be ready to go from day one. So we'll see. I, I'm curious to see how it goes, but like, I, I want to circle back. I think Brad Stevens rules. I think yeah. that he's dope. I think that exactly what you want from an executive, because he's got the mind of a coach and he understands what a coach is going to need in a lot of these situations. And, and what do you need for a team that has everything in Boston? Well, you could get an extra energy guard, somebody who's going to provide a little bit of defensive burst. And I think somebody like, uh, uh, like, the Boston, the Boston crowd is going to be very, very excited to really root for a guy like Jaden Springer as he gets up to speed in all those moments. Uh, and then you need some Al Horford insurance is probably the other thing I'd say. Al Horford, Chris Porzingis insurance, where those guys are like one, Al Horford is, is just a little bit older, obviously. But two, Chris uh, Stapps is, is still an injury risk. So getting a guy like Tillman, I think, just makes a lot of sense especially if you believe that, hey, maybe Joe Allen Bede comes back, maybe you face Nikola Jokic in, a comp- in an NBA Finals. Like, you need another body for those guys because seeing the Celtics kind of go up against those guys, it's it's pretty scary. Sometimes we don't have all of the, like, you, you don't have all the bodies to throw at them. So I, I thought that it was a great move, and you didn't have to get, give it up anything to do it. So really, really excited for the Boston side of things. Like, I, I think Brad Stevens is great. 
He's honestly as good as he was as a coach. It's like it doesn't even come close to what he's doing as the boss. Yeah. I think, like you said, he has that coaching experience. And right away from day one, he basically undid every mistake that Ainge <laughs> did in his final two, right? He, yeah. He got the job. He traded Kemba out the door. He got all the – if you're an undersized point guard, get out. Like, unless you're Peyton Pritchard and you can shoot 40% from three, we're not interested, right? You have to be able to switch. You have to be – you know, you have to fit a certain mold. And I think he – these two guys fit that mold, right? Like Xavier Tillman, you mentioned Horford and KP insurance. It's a little different because he's nowhere close to the offensive player those guys are. No, not even like, He doesn't stretch the floor. He can't make his free throws. But he can switch and he can guard pretty much like he can guard your small ball four. He can stay in front of quicker guards and he can, you know, he gave Anthony Davis hell in that playoff series last year. And, and even if that's a small sample, it's, you know, their situation was unique because, you know, Nemus Queda was their, their third, fourth big, right? But he's on a two-way deal. So unless the plan was to guarantee his contract for the rest of the year, He's not playoff eligible. And I just, I don't think Brad was comfortable going into a playoff run with Horford, Cornette, and Porzingis. You needed sort of like a, a Grant Williams body type where he's like a, a tweener big. He can, you know, guard guys in space, but he's strong enough to handle or at least make things tough for the MBs, the Jokic's, et cetera. And I think sure. in this system, they're not going to ask him to score. They're going to ask him to be tough, rebound, and defend. And I think, you know, like you said, for some second-round picks, like, why wouldn't you want to do that? And obviously, there was a relationship there, given the Grizzlies and Celtics, the smart deal, all that good stuff. So, you know, on paper, it makes sense, and I'm excited to see what it looks like. Tillman's efficiency, you mentioned that. It's kind of all over the place, obviously, in Memphis. But I will say situation is a big thing with a lot of these things where in Boston, if you're being surrounded by four shooters all the time, it's right. a little bit different than being in Memphis where shooting is sort of a, a uh, an undersold commodity, is what we'll say. Uh, it's yeah. been, been pretty tough out there. But look, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the top five plus Horford. Like you've got the starters in Horford. Then you've got Pritchard and Hauser as options. And you've got Tillman and Springer now as options for a championship rotation. Anybody I'm missing there? Anybody that you think would play? Yeah, I mean, I think Brissett would probably be that, you know, additional wing, certainly over Springer. I think, you know, what they still lack is that shot creator. You know, like Brissett's an energy guy. Pritchard mm-hmm. is a uh, – Pritchard, you know, he's – sort of like an off-ball shooting guard. You know, he's not really creating his own shot. Hauser, catch-and-shoot guy. So they really don't have a guy where you can say, hey, we're we're resting one of the Jays or they're in foul trouble. Go Here's the ball. Go get a bucket. They still don't have that guy, right? Like, we don't want to live in a world where you're asking that of O'Shea Brissett. It's just sure. not what he's yeah. good at. He's, he's going <laughs> to crash the glass. He's going to attack closeouts, things like that. So I'd still like to see them, you know, have that option, but they are only going to go six or seven, you know, eight at most deep in a playoff run, barring something catastrophic. So to me, their playoff rotation, I think, is set, but I would like to see Joe Missoula just have the option. And that's why it stinks that they couldn't pull something off for like Alani Walker or Sadiq Bey 
guys that fit that six million trade exemption just for the option if you need it if guys are hurt or in foul trouble. So well, you mentioned open roster spots still, so there is still time, I guess, for them to fill something yep. like that on the buyout market. I don't really expect a, a massive bucket getter to be available, especially for the money that I'm sure that Boston will be able to uh, to really put out there. But yeah, I mean, they're limited. they're a second apron team, so they're limited. Yeah. And if you made over, I think it's like 12.4 mil before your buyout, they can't sign you. So yeah, what that is and who that is, I mean, right now we have no idea, but. You yeah, know, sorry, they, sorry, you're not going to be able to go get Spencer Dinwiddie, man. It's going to be Dinwiddie. You can't get, you know, um, who was another? There was another guy that was making like 19 or 18 million that they're thinking might get bought out. I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know, historically, buyout guys aren't really difference makers, anyways. That's why they're buyout guys. Sure, so, exactly. You know, I think they they addressed the need that I think was more important of the two in terms of big depth or wing depth. So at least they check that box. And now if, you know, a, a guy sees you as uh, a path to a title, maybe that, you know, helps, you know, that works in your favor. But it wouldn't surprise me if they say, all right, let's just convert Queda or let's just, you know, have Jordan Walsh be this, you know, extra wing player and, and see what happens. But, you know, at least they just didn't stand pat. That was the big thing. Yeah. Wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. I like Walsh. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be something down the line if he could just develop a, some semblance of a jumper. Um, yeah, I mean he's still so raw, and it's, yeah. it's tough. I mean this is not a developmental season. He plays, you know, in blowouts, and nobody even passes him the ball when he's on the court. So you know, tough for scene. him, it's it's mostly a main season. What about some other deals around the NBA? Maybe that caught your eye. Was there anything that went on? I. I the one that comes to mind for me is the New York deal that, mm-hmm. that happened today. They seem to be really building something pretty interesting. Yeah, I think if you expand it out and include the the OG trade, right? Because obviously that was pre-deadline. Sure. It's hard not to like what they've done, right? The talent they've brought in is certainly better than the talent they sent out. They 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 didn't give up any first round picks today that yeah. I that I can remember, right? It was it no. was only seconds. They didn't even give one up for OG. Right. And, 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 and I haven't seen all the details, but I saw a tweet from a cat person. They're still under the first apron as of right now. So if someone gets bought out, they can, you know, if, if it's a Spencer Dinwiddie or someone like, like they don't have any of the new CBA, um, you know, apron restrictions. So, Man. you know, I think the biggest takeaway is this is not your grandfather's nicks or whatever that saying is, right? Like, they, from from the Brunson deal to not overpaying for, you know, Donovan Mitchell and just staying the course, their front office is operating as well as any smart organization would. And I think that makes them a legitimate threat, right? They're on this, this crazy run right now. So they're playing great. They, you know, even if you think that that's defensive base, they added in some good offensive players and Bogdanovich can get you buckets. Alec Burks is shooting 40% from three. So I think the Knicks deals stood out. Um, Who else? Who else would I say? Even though it's like, I think the Mavs got better just because they got out of the Grant Williams experience. Like that was going nowhere fast. And even though it sucks that you had to attach a first round pick just to get out of that deal, just from, 
a talent perspective, I think Gafford's a better, you know, backup center than Rashawn Holmes. And I think, um, you know, TJ Washington, while he's flawed, is better than Grant Williams. So if you're in this window where you need to make sure you're keeping Luca happy and you're making a conscious effort to improve talent, I thought they did that. So, you know, they're a a playing team, not playing, you know, they're right on the border there. So I think that could help them, especially because you had teams like the Lakers and the Warriors not do anything. Um, Yeah, that was weird. weird. I think it's, it's telling, but also they're going to, you know, probably regret that. And I like that, you know, the Wolves got a backup point guard. I think that was a position of need for them. You know, they're sort of slumping right now. So they address that and, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. A lot of interesting teams, man. A lot, a lot of interesting contenders that that got better for sure. Boston got better, even if it was on the yes. margins. Uh, but I, I liked what the T Wolves did. I liked what OKC did, adding Gordon to Hayward. Oh, I was right okay, so that's yeah. another one. That to me, that's like the perfect type of we're we're going for it, but we're not overextending ourselves to do it, right? Yeah. Because they have the cap space, they only had to give up, you know, two deals. The picks or whatever, because they have 10 million picks. He's a guy that I think, if he's healthy, obviously, right? Like, that's that's the forever Gordon Hayward disclaimer. But if you think about it, now in their closing lineups, they can take out Josh Giddy. They can insert Gordon Hayward. You don't lose any of the playmaking. You don't lose any of the size. But it's a much better shooter, right? Like, yeah, Giddy, Giddy's, like, I think around 31 32% this year from three. Hayward's at 36 it just makes them way tougher to guard in a playoff series because, as we know, if you can't shoot, people aren't going to guard you. And that's only going to make things tougher for SGA and Jalen Williams to attack the rim. So, you know, I'm hoping for Hayward's sake, he has sort of like a, an Al Horford rejuvenation where, like, guys just seem to go to OKC and come out, like, you know, five years younger. So, you know, I think that's a, a needle moving trade for them. If he's healthy. It was smart. It was like a good move. It's a short term salary move as well. That, that doesn't really cloud their books in any way, shape or form. And, and yep. if it works, then they can re-sign him and maybe ship Giddy off. And there's no, no problem with that long term. Um, I like, so the weird, weird one, actually, I, do, I didn't really like Kelly Olenek going to the Toronto Raptors for some reason. I didn't really get that. I don't really know what the Raptors are doing, right? It's like if you're in a Bruce Brown too, by the way. Like Right. They don't they don't flip Bruce Brown. Like, okay, they they tell the world we're we're in a rebuild, they trade OG, they trade Siaka. So you're thinking, okay. Okay, makes sense. If you're gonna rip the band-aid off, rip it off, right? You don't need Bruce Brown. If you're gonna pick up his option, why like then why wouldn't you keep the other stars that you just traded? And if you're not gonna pick up his twenty three million dollar option, why are you going to lose this asset for nothing? And I think the same is true for the Dennis Schroeder deal, right? Like yeah. they traded him for a guy who they immediately waived. So Schroeder has, I think, at least one more, one or two more years left on his deal. I think it's you one. You didn't even get a second round pick for that contract. <laughs> so I just don't really understand their approach, their asset management. Like, what's the plan here? If is it if it's to build around Bruce Brown? Well then why wouldn't you have kept some of your other 
good veteran players. It's just very confusing. Yeah, I think if, if there was one thing I could point to, it's, hey, we, we have an opportunity to create max cap space in the offseason, but, like, for who? And, like, it just doesn't really happen anymore. It doesn't really make sense for where Toronto's at either. So I'm a little bit, like, weirded out by it, man. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, what, was there a deal... Was there a deal that didn't happen? Actually, you know, let's go to Philly first. Philly trades for Buddy Heald. It sounds like they're going to get Kyle Lowry as well. They moved mm-hmm. Patrick Beverly to the to the Milwaukee Bucks, who probably should have done more than just get Patrick Beverly, if we're being honest. But uh, really seems like neither of those teams, the, the Bucks or the Sixers, got better today by a lot. It's interesting because it all comes down to Joel Embiid for the Sixers, right? Like if... If he's out for the year, I really don't understand the what they did, right? Right. If they if they know that he's going to be back for at least a playoff run, then I like bringing in Buddy Heal to mm. add in some additional shooting and spacing around Embiid. Without Embiid, it's like what good is it? Heal's an expiring deal. Sure, you're going to have max cap space to potentially keep him. This at least gives you a, a couple months to get you know a look at him in your system. But you're probably going to need that cap space. There's reports now they want to go after Paul George. Well, you know, that's a max deal right there. Yeah. Buddy Heald's not going to go for chump change. So very confusing there. In terms of the Pat Bev trade, it's like, are you better? Like, is campaign, like, what does campaign give you that Pat Bev doesn't? I think what they're they're really trying to do there is just free up backup point guard space for Kyle Lowry when he comes in. I assume that that's the plan there, but like, is that really well, the best a, use of resources either? What is a 37-year-old Kyle Lowry give right. you? I, I agree Especially with you, if there's me. no Embiid, right? Yeah. Like, what's the, I don't know. So that was very confusing. The Bucks, I think, is just a, this is just a product of, you know, their previous trades where they push their chips on the table, right? Like, they gave up so many assets for Drew Holiday. They gave up so many assets for Damian Lillard. They gave up five second-round picks for Jay Crowder. Yeah. Like At some point, you're going to run out of things to trade, especially when nobody really wants your Bobby Portis, your Pat Connaughton. You know? So for them, it's like, okay, great. Pat Bev is a better defender in theory and on paper than campaign, but they didn't solve their wing defense issue. I still yeah. don't think, you know, as much of an upgrade as Pat Bev is as a defender, their point of attack defense, I wouldn't call it solved with this move. (laughs) So, you know, it's another one of those, you probably just have to hope that, you know, Giannis and and Dame can catch fire in a playoff run. But if you look at who they're going to have to guard in the East, you know, what what are we seeing on their roster that says, okay, they 100% solidified a problem area at this deadline. Now it's just about getting up to speed with Doc's system. I don't care what your system is. If you're asking Middleton or Jay Crowder or Damon Lillard to guard a Tatum, a Brown, uh, you know, any of just pick the wings. It's just not, a, it's just a matchup problem. And I don't know. They're in a tough spot. It's going to be fascinating. I, I think one of the other, ways that they lost assets was when they traded Dante DiVincenzo for Serge Ibaka back in the day. Like, what are you doing? There was no reason for anybody to do that. But I mean, yeah, it's just uh, mismanagement in a lot of ways and kind of bailed out by the fact that they've had Giannis for a while. But I think that that rent is coming due at some point too. So should be fascinating. Um, Yeah, I think 
you almost have to wonder. It's like, hey, we got him to sign the extension. Like it doesn't matter what, unless he's, yes. you know, I don't, I don't foresee him, you know, demanding a trade or anything like that. That would be, I think, a pipe dream of you know opposing teams. I just think they were in a spot where the contracts they had to trade didn't have much value to address their needs and their second round picks. You know, like you said, they had given up so many over these last few off seasons and, and seasons that. They're sort of in a tough spot. And I think Pat Ever is probably the best they could do in terms of a, a point of attack defender that can sort of make threes every once in a while if he's open as a catch and shoot guy. But he's not that big, right? He's still kind of a small, right. smallish type player. And their issue is size. Their backcourt is still small. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know what by they're under the same sort of apron restrictions for buyout guys as some of the other contenders. So. I don't know. I can't say I'm mad at it, but I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> no, no. You I can't can't believe that. Uh, no. no. So we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, right now, if you had to pick it, who are the, the two favorites to come out of the conferences this year? I'd say obviously the Celts. And, you know, I'm going to ride with Cleveland. I'm buying what the Cavs are doing right now. Mm. I just think, okay. you know, the biggest thing for them that they still have to prove is – can the shooting hold up in a playoff series? Can, you know, can they, you know, still not, you know, can they find ways to score when defenses tighten up? That was their issue last year. They were so good during the regular season. They got punched in the mouth and they created. I think that's just part of a, a developmental process, right? You see teams go through stages of development. You have to get your playoff scars. So I think, Sure. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if we see a Cavs Celtics Eastern Conference Finals. The same is true for the Knicks, but I just think, you know, the offensive firepower of Donovan Mitchell as a playoff riser, you know, I, I think he's the the best, you know, scoring guard in the conference. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but he is just he's a handful. In the West, until someone eliminates Denver, I'm always gonna pick them. I think you know, that's just a respect thing. Jokic is still the best player on the planet to me. So, you know, they get my respect. But, I, I mean, okay, see? They're just they – have, they have that mix of depth, defense, and high-level talent that I think, you know, it may be a year early for them, but on paper they're just – they're devastating. They probably don't have enough size in general to to really ultimately match up with Jokic, but the Clippers is the other team that I look oh, at I too. Yeah, maybe the Clippers instead yeah. of OKC. Uh, I mean, they're they're both. I mean, look, the the Thunder have been great all year. There's no there's no doubt that they've earned their spot. Like they they are excellent, excellent. But I still think that it's probably Denver and the Clippers in in the West. But hey. Uh, I would love to see the Cavs make a run because they, if if they were able to do something, that would be like that'd be great. But I'm still I'm still probably thinking Denver Boston in the finals after this, and like that's yeah. going to be a war. I don't think that's uh, a hot take, and I think you know their their game earlier, what about a month ago? I think if that was a finals preview, I think you and I are in for a very stressful series. Yeah, because it's going to be crazy. <laughs> It's like they can't stop Jokic. Murray's crazy, but, you know, do the Nuggets have the wing defenders? To, to You know, I just think, you know, it would be a very fun series, and I think we were robbed of it last year. 
Um, so, you know, I certainly wouldn't hate it. Obviously, you know, I've lived in Colorado before. I, I have a, 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 an affinity for the Nuggets. I'm a Jokic stan and Jokic believer, but uh, I would hope the Celtics won that in four, unfortunately. <laughs> believe no. it. Certainly do, because, hey, anytime it gets closer to five, six, or seven, I know y'all are going to be sweating. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely right. true. So we will see what happens. But, hey, uh, any final thoughts on the trade deadline before we get out of here? Um, I want to ask you this. Do you think this is, you know, this was more of a depth fringe add around the margins type type deadline. Do you think given the new CBA and the play in that this is our future now, like hmm. gone are the days of like huge names being moved at the deadline. It's more going to be just these like depth pieces and lower, lower tier moves. I'm not sure. I honestly think it's just cyclical where last year we had a lot of star movement. We had a lot of guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and uh, different other stars that moved around. And we've had that for a long, long time. And while I do think that it's probably more likely that things aren't going to happen at the trade deadline, it's more like starters and more, more role players. It's kind of always like that. It's very rare for these stars to get moved right at the deadline, unless there's a massive like pressure point that's being put onto some of these teams. So mm. I, I got to imagine that it's going to be more like, like a cyclical, a cyclical thing where the next star that's like disgruntled at the trade deadline is probably going to get moved then too. Yeah. I would, I would say that, you know, free agency is the same way, right? Like now yeah. it's much more likely that someone's going to sign an extension and demand a trade than actually hit the free agent market. So it's interesting. I mean, I, I think we're all still glued to our phones, right? We're all waiting for every world's bomb. But I don't know. This year kind of just felt like, all right, like this is nice. Like it's it's okay. But, you know, I'm just ready for post-All-Star break. Everyone's going to get serious. And obviously it's it's a, a run to the title. So. It's about to get very real for, for a lot of people and a lot of fans. But, hey, always looking forward to it. And I think that this is where this is where everybody can kind of turn the page and say, look, now now it's time to get serious, as you said. So should be a lot of fun. But he is Dan Greenberg of Barstool Sports. Make sure to go check out all of his Boston Celtics coverage. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to talk uh, Celtics and other teams, man. Appreciate it, man.